Isn't this a beautiful day? Beautiful time of the year. You know, uh, spring will show up eventually, you know. I tell you, it's awesome. Never know what God has in store for us. Well, we started, uh, oh, it was uh, four weeks ago, talking about the game changer. And uh, just so you know, originally I had a video to show you here this morning, and it was a six and a half minute video, but uh, showed it last night, but we just couldn't get the sound proper on it. You couldn't hardly hear the thing, so I ain't gonna show it. Is that all right? Uh, it was a football theme, you know, because we've been kind of doing this football thing um, since the Super Bowl. But it was by a, a, a fella whose name, and I found out in the last service, a lot of people didn't know who he was. His name was Dennis Bird. Anybody heard of Dennis Bird? He played with the Jets. Okay. And uh, back in, I think it was 1992, I believe it was, he'd been playing for four years and all, and he, he, was, he was doing this kind of number. But taking out quarterbacks all the time, you know, and all. But anyhow, in the midst of a collision that he had, he, he uh, sincerely, uh, seriously broke uh, something to do with his spinal cord, and uh, he became paralyzed, you know. And he, along with his mom and dad, who were believers, uh, were believing God to restore him, you know, because they said, well, he'll never walk. I mean, all he will ever do the rest of his life is blink his eyes, you know. That's pretty traumatic to get news like that, isn't it? You know, and that's what they told him. They said, no, well, we don't believe that. We believe God's going to heal him. And anyhow, three months later, he was able to begin walking, you know. So he, he was walking. Uh, he started off with crutches and, and all, but then without crutches. And uh, as I said, he was a believer. And uh, what have we come to the conclusion of? What's the game changer? It's faith. Faith changes our game for the better. And because Dennis Bird and his uh, mom and dad, they believed, you know, God restored him so he could walk again. And he would go and speak, you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people. He actually came uh, a few years ago. He came and uh, he turned in his, uh, his jersey that had been cut off him that night. It was number 30. And it was retired, and no one ever will use that again. But as he returned to his jersey 18 years later, the coach of the Jets invited him to come and have a little pep talk with the guys. Lo and behold, they attributed their win to him of the encouragement he, that he inspired to that team. And I say, I think they were playing a, a team, um, the guys who just won the Super Bowl. Who was it? Oh, yeah, the Jets beat the... Uh, the Patriots, you know, after his little pep talk there. But the thing is, you see, one of my favorite verses, Romans eight twenty eight, that God works all things together for good. And because of his faith, what they were saying was so tragic, but God turned it around and gave him a voice to speak to so many people, you know. Anyhow, I was actually thinking about getting a tattoo of Romans eight twenty eight on my shoulder. And I know some of you are going, don't even say that, Pastor. It's not funny, you know. But Susan said the same thing, you know, and when we're sleeping at bed at night, this shoulder would be next to her. So I said, well, I'll get on this shoulder then, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like Romans 8.28. I said, Romans 8.28 strikes again that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And according to his purpose. 
And you can believe that. And it's true. If you love him and you believe in him, no matter what it is that goes on in our life, God will turn that thing around like, like he did for Dennis Bird and work it together for good. Now, um, this faith we're talking about that we came to discover, it's, it's a, a faith that follows through. Have you ever known somebody start something and they never finished it? You, you know somebody like that? I'm not even going to ask you who that person might be. Probably see them every morning when you get up, look in the mirror. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. But the follow-through is so important. You know, even when it comes to sports. You know, if, if you're playing baseball, from what I understand, once your bat makes contact with the ball, you don't just stop right there, but you follow through with the swing. If you're a tennis player, you follow completely through with the swing, you know? You're shooting hoops, you know? And, and once the ball leaves your hand, you don't just go and just abruptly stop, but you follow through. And if you're, you're hitting a, a, a golf ball there, you know, once you make connection, I mean, you've got to follow through. And then when it comes to my sports, you know, that I'm much more well-versed in when it comes to archery. You're getting ready to harvest some groceries out here in the woods, you know, and you pull that bow back. You don't, you don't just turn loose off it. You, you have to follow through if you want to hit your target. And when you follow through, your hand comes on back. The follow-through is so critical to be successful. And if you're a fly fisherman, you know, you get that line up there and you cast it back, you know, and you have to follow through if you want to be successful at whatever you're doing. And what I want to challenge you, regardless of the difficulties that may face us in life, it's important that we follow through with our faith. A faith that follows through is a game changer. It will transform situations and it'll enable you to overcome obstacles. You see these guys in here going like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Those guys, it's like, where did he go? And we can overcome the obstacles of life when we have faith, faith in the almighty God who loves us and cares about us and he wants us to succeed. He wants us to succeed in doing what he created us for, bringing people into his kingdom. Whatever it is that God has in store for you, it takes faith. He says, well, faith, you can't please God. And it takes faith in the almighty to accomplish those goals. So we'll remember Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the author and he is also the finisher of our faith from the beginning to the end. And he wants our faith to follow through. He surely does. But I want to read you a couple of verses. We, we've read them every week since we started the series. They're short. I just want to hit them real quickly. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, and the word hope means a confident expectation for the future, Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. When, when you have this confidence, hey, it's mine, you know. It's going, she's going to come to know Christ. He's going to come to know Christ. Those needs are going to be met. When there's, I mean, that's faith, you see. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. A solid, you know, unshakable confidence in the almighty God who so much loves us. He says, so faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And there's a lot that's real that we can't see in this world, you know. 
And then in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Jesus said this, he said, if you can believe. Now, we've read this every week. This is the fourth week in a row I've read this verse. But please listen to it as if it was the very first time because this will change your game for the better. He says, if you can believe, and I'm telling you, you can. All you folks online, all you folks in the, the overflow downstairs in the cafe, all you folks who are here, if you can believe, this is a game changer. If you can believe, and you can, all things are possible. All the things that's going on in your life, all the things you want to take place, all things, all things. Now, Jesus wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. All things are possible to him who believes. So we, we need to, to be believers. It don't take much effort to be a doubter. It don't take much effort at all, does it? But it takes a little bit of effort on our part to be a believer, to believe what Christ has said in his word. You remember we talked about it oh, a couple of weeks ago that unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. But faith puts God between us and circumstances. And circumstances can't get to us unless it goes through God. And God's pretty good at taking care of himself. And he's pretty good at taking care of you and me as well. Some Christians are so afraid of failure that they become reserved, you know, uh, overly cautious, uninvolved in life. They follow a policy of guarded living, holding back their, their time, their talents, their treasures, their, their energy from God's service. Their motto is, to keep from failing, don't try. You think that's a good motto to live by? Well, I don't want to fail. So if, I'm not going to even try because I don't want to fail. I, I think that's a horrible motto to live by, you know. On the other hand, those who are willing to make mistakes, are you willing to make a mistake? You just made a mistake by not answering my questions. <laughs> On the other hand, those who are willing to make mistakes and risk failure are the ones who ultimately achieve great things. I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to make a mistake if that's what it takes, but I'm not going to do nothing, you know. Instead of being filled with fear, they go forward in faith. Problems become challenges. While they may not solve all of the problems, these courageous people would rather live with that reality then have a clean record of no failures and no accomplishments. What does that mean? Zero. Benjamin Franklin, he once said, the man who does things makes many mistakes, but he never makes the biggest mistake of all, doing nothing. See, faith calls us to action. Faith calls us to take risk. Faith calls us to take a flying leap, <laughs> you know. And even in the situation with Dennis Bird, that's what he did, and he, he got hurt, but God turned that around and gave him a platform to speak into so many people's lives through that. There's an old saying that if at first you don't succeed, 
Throw in the towel and quit. Wait, what'd you say? Try to, no, I don't think that's the way it goes. If it is that way, it should be rewritten. If at first you don't succeed, try, 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 try again. Touchdown. Because that's the reality of it. If at first you don't succeed, you don't throw in the towel. You don't give up. You don't quit. Now, y'all remember last week I was telling you when I go fishing, if, if I want to put some fish in my freezer, I take a cooler with ice in it. You go, well, why don't you just wait till after you catch the fish? Well, what do you mean afterwards? I'm going to go catch fish. You remember me telling you all about that? That I fully expect to catch fish every time I go fishing. Well, there's a brother, Mike, he was here at the last service, and, uh, you know, he invited me to go fishing this past week, you know. I thought, that's, that's cool. Hadn't been this year yet, you know, it's February. And also, I, I got up uh, on Thursday morning uh, pretty early, and uh, I have this uh, little thing here. I got it years ago. This is in my bathroom hanging up at a very likely place that I'll see it. And I see this thing 365 days out of the year. It's a barometer. It's a fishing barometer. And when I got up on Thursday morning, it, see, the barometer tells you when a storm is coming or a storm is leaving. And, and not only fish, but other animals, deer, do the same thing. You can look at a barometer and tell if the fish or the animals are going to be moving much. Or they could be hunkered down. I mean, it, it actually works, you know. And uh, But my barometer said, poor day for fishing. But you know something? You see the green part there? That's a great day for fishing. And it's the first time it's been on that in a long time. So I'm going fishing. Okay. <laughs> but in all honesty, that's what it said. And uh, anyhow, so that was a little bit of a strike against us to go fishing. And, and we kind of got there a little late, you know. And it was somewhat windy. It was glorious that morning. The sun was out. By the time we got there to meet him, you know, it had gotten overcast and the wind started flowing and it was chilly and it was misty rain. You know, later on in the day, it cleared up again. But the whole time, and we covered the whole lake, you know, we we're fishing, having a great old time there. Didn't catch any fish. We had a great time of fellowship. We really did, you know. Uh, I think my man got a bump or two, you know, something bumped him, but he didn't get anything in, you know, didn't, didn't really uh, get no fish. So. so I brought my fishing poles, and this is actually what I had in the boat, except I had two tackle boxes, just two little ones, you know. And uh, so, I didn't catch any fish. You think I should get rid of my fishing poles? I mean, okay. You think I should give these fishing poles away? Raise your hand. Those are fishermen who raise their hands. Uh, Mike had already asked me if I was going to bring my cooler. He told me... He says, well, we normally catch and release here in this, this lake. I said, 
That's cool. I, I'm, I'm good for catch and release, you know. I understand that. But see, I think you kind of might have jumped to the conclusion when I said we didn't catch no fish. I wasn't through my conversation. You put an exclamation there. I didn't catch any fish. But there was a comma there. I didn't catch any fish yet. You understand? That's the difference. What I did get, the, the lady who owns our access to this lake, she invited me to come back anytime I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? And I'll assure you, I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but I assure you, before too terribly long, you're going to see a picture up here on the screen of some fish I caught. Do, do you get rid of your fishing pole just because you didn't catch some fish that one day when all the strikes against me? Do you stop praying because God didn't answer your prayer the day that you prayed it? See, we're talking about faith. It's just like, you know what? I can't wait. I mean, I'm thinking about buying another reel, rod and reel. But I know if I tell my wife that, she's going to say, well, just go look at the garage and choose one out of the ones you got in there, you know? Did that hurt my faith and believing I'm going to catch a fish? Does it hurt my faith when I pray about something and it don't instantly happen? I just pray again the next day. And I just pray, and many of you have heard me say this, you pray how long? How long do you pray? Until. How long do you fish? Until. But see, faith just keeps on going and going and going and going and going. So let's look at the passage here in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 5. And it says, <clears throat> One day, as Jesus was preaching, he was preaching the good news. One day, as Jesus was preaching his, the good news, you know, his word, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. See, what I'm talking about here, the light of God's word attracts people, attracts people who are desperate for light. What happens in the summer when you go light a lantern and you put it outside on a picnic table? What does it draw? All kinds of creatures. And there's a lot of insects who only live for a day. Some live for a couple of days or a week or maybe a month. But they don't want to waste their time sleeping at night. So when they see a light there at your screen door trying to get in your house, they're, they're, they're being attracted. And there are so many people who are so desperate for light in this world. They're living in darkness. And that's what's happening here. It says in verse 1, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Now what does listening to the word of God do? Somebody said what? Build your faith. Listening to God's word, it produces faith. We've read that verse so many times, it produces faith. 
And, and, and let me digress just a moment. We're going to come back to Luke. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is half full of living power. Listen to what he says. For the word of God is full of living power. I mean, does anybody here think, man, I could use a little bit of that living power? I'm open for that, you know? I mean, you can say, well, food that you have in your refrigerator, your cupboards, your freezer, food is full of vitamins and nutrients and enzymes and nourishment, right? What good is that food to you if it's in the refrigerator? Not much, not until you take it out and you eat it. And then it does you some good. Although it's full of vitamins and nutrients and nourishment and all, but until you take it in, it's not going to do you any good. And the Bible says, for the word of God is full of living power. So I got to get his word in me if it's going to bring about any transformation. Now, here's a verse, and we've read this so many times in, in the, the past month, and you've heard us talk about it so many times before, but once again, and it says in Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith, it comes by hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. That action of fun. Now, actually, I need a, I need a volunteer. And the sooner I get one, the quicker we can go on. Okay, thank you. But I need two volunteers, so grab another one, whoever you want. Okay, we got two volunteers. I'm sure I'll come right on up here, okay? Two volunteers. Hey, give them a hand for helping us out here. Okay, now y'all decide. One of you needs to be God again. You'll be God. Okay, you get right over there, God. Okay. And I want you to hold this, okay? Now, let me read the verse, okay? You just hang on just a second. And it says here, in Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. So, all right, what you're going to do, you're going to speak. You're God, and you're going to speak. But you don't actually have to say anything, but I just want you to hold his word out when you speak. So don't practice it one time. Just hold it out like that. Yes. Okay, that's good. Okay. All right, now I want you to get over beside him. Just a second here, we'll move that chair just a little bit. All right, okay. So, I want you to speak. Christ speaks, you see that? Now, here, okay, you can put your hands on your side. Here's faith, okay? Christ speaks, and I hear, and faith comes. Okay, yeah, so right here, faith. Now, let me tell you about faith. Faith can do anything. The Bible says faith can move mountains. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll go back over there. Okay. Christ speaks. I hear. And faith comes. Now, I'm not even going to have to wave her this time. She's going to know, all right? Let's start one more time, okay? So Christ speaks. I hear. And faith comes. And the Bible says... That mountains are moved because of faith. You understand that, right? Okay, go back over there again. Now let's be, pay, pay really close attention. All right, you don't want to miss this. 
Christ speaks, I don't hear. <laughs> when Christ speaks, if I don't hear, I'm kind of on my own. Mountains can't be removed. And the Bible says all things are possible, those who believe. But when faith doesn't come, it's like, I'm kind of on my own. But when Christ speaks and I hear, faith comes. You got that? Okay. All right. Give them a grand applause for helping me out there. Thank you very much. Okay. I just got to let you know something. You're not God anymore, okay? All right. All right. But so, you know, you see this little picture, and sometimes a little object lesson helps us to grasp it because who wants to go through life on your own? And you've got enough of challenges that come against you already, but you want faith to come, don't you? But faith only comes when you hear what Christ spoke. When you hear it, you're very receptive and open to hearing it. Faith will come every time. But although Christ is speaking, if you're just too busy, too occupied to hear, faith ain't going to come. And I'm going to tell you, when faith don't come, it often leaves you very fearful, anxious, and frightened. So if you want more faith, what do we need to do? We need to hear what Christ is saying. And that is by reading our Bible, going to church, we talk about it. Maybe you play an audio version of it in the car. You can memorize it and just quote it and talk about it or you pray it and all. But anytime you hear God's word, faith will come. It really does. So this is what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. It says, God gave his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. God gave his approval. That's my boy. That's my girl. He gave his approval because of faith. And if you and I want our faith to increase, you know, the Bible talks about having the armor of God and having the shield of, uh, shield of faith. If, if there was somebody throwing fiery darts at you, you want a shield about this big round? You want a huge shield. A shield that not only protects me, but a shield that can protect my family and my loved ones. Is that right? The bigger the shield, the better. And, and faith comes by hearing God's word. So... The shield of faith gets bigger as you're hearing God's word. You're hearing it with your head, but you're hearing it with your, your heart. You know. I, I told you about the tattoo thing earlier. Let me tell you. Because my wife reminded me earlier. She said, tell them where you do have a tattoo already. I already have Romans 8.28 tattooed on my brain. And I have Romans 8, 28 tattooed on my heart. So whether I ever have one on, on my shoulder or not, don't matter because it's already permanently attached to me. Does that make sense? And see, when you hear God's word, it produces faith. And your faith has the ability to increase and to grow as you're hearing it. And, and faith is the game changer. It makes the impossible possible. The obstacles fall aside. And you accomplish what God has called you and created you to do. Well, let's pick back up over here at Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1 again. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen 
to the word of God. And, and what does listening to God's word do? Produces faith. Faith comes. So it says in verse 2, it says, he, referring to Jesus, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them there, and they were washing their nets. Now, you got to understand, fishermen in those days, they didn't have monofilament fishing line that's pretty clear, transparent. They had a, a cordage that was at best brown, if not black. So the fishermen whose life, livelihood depended upon fishing, a lot of those would go fishing at night because the fish couldn't see the nets, you see. And they'd catch more fish that way. So that was the traditional custom of the way they did it back in those days with those particular boats. So it says, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. You know, all the seaweed and the sticks and stuff that get caught up in the nets and all. Verse 3 says, talking about Jesus, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, that's Simon Peter, asked Simon, its owner, to push it out in the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. See, the crowd, huge crowds was all around him, and it was hard because they just kept pushing and pushing. So he got in the boat, he pushed it away from the shore and made a beautiful amphitheater. Your voice travels really well in the water, and he could reach more people, and, and he wasn't being pressed as much. So that's, that's what happened right here. So he, he pushed it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Verse 4. So when he had finished speaking, and, and what does Christ speaking do? It produces faith. So it says, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, talking about Jesus, when he had finished speaking, and it was producing faith to all the people who were hearing it, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. That's what Jesus told him. Hey, let me use your boat. Let's go fishing. We'll get you a bunch of fish. But now you got to understand how the fishermen fished in those days. So Peter may not have said it, but maybe what he was thinking was, uh, Jesus, you are an excellent carpenter. Uh, we remember Joseph, and Joseph taught you how to do carpentry, and you are phenomenal. You know, you are an excellent carpenter. There's no doubt about it. You're a great teacher. You make the truth so simple a child can understand them. You are a wonderful savior, Jesus. But a fisherman, you ain't. That's probably what Peter's thinking. You're, you're not a fisherman. Because you would know you don't go out in the middle of the broad day with these big old nets and try to catch fish. That's probably what he was thinking. But Peter had been hearing Christ speak, and it produced faith. And listen to what it says in verse 5. He said, Master Simon, Peter replied, he said, We worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. We worked really hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing, and now we're cleaning our nets so we can get ready to go fishing again tonight. You got to pay the bills, you know. But if you, what's he saying? But if you, if you say so, Simon Peter, but if you say, we worked hard all night to catch a thing, but if you say so, we'll try again. If you say so. 
let me digress a moment. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight says it's daytime. It's not when we fish. We fish at nighttime. We look at things all the time, and we're affected by things that we see. Are we not? And the things that we see do not have the final say-so on issues. I say, hey, well, if you say so, we'll go fishing in the broad daylight, and we'll try again, you know. See, faith is, is taking Christ at his word. He said, do it. Well, if you say so. <laughs> well, if you say so, okay. But I'm not going alone if he says so. And I hear it, faith comes with me. And faith will help me catch a bunch of fish, you see. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. So picking up here in verse 6, it says, and this is Luke chapter 5, verse 6, it says, And this time, because Jesus said so, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Well, it takes a lot of fish to fill up two boats to the verge of sinking. I mean, they had never had documented no record of anybody catching so many fish, especially not during the daytime. It's amazing. This is miraculous. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. He recognized this is a miracle. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. He became convicted of his sin. Lord, get away from me. You don't know what kind of man I am. See, the truth of it is, Peter didn't know why Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus came to do what? Seek and save who? The lost. He came to seek and save the lost. And see, Peter, he's not thinking, I'm a sinful man, get away from me, you know? It's what he's saying there. And picking back up, in verse 9, it says, For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. I mean, this was a bona fide miracle. Do miracles still happen? Now, I'm going to ask you not to, not to use your imagination. I'm going to ask you to be truthful for me, with me for one minute, okay? Would you promise to be honest? How many of you here would honestly testify. We don't have time to do it all, but you'll testify by the showing of your hand when I ask you to, that you have experienced a genuine miracle from God before. Raise your hands. Look around here. Does God still perform miracles? Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. He absolutely does. There's hardly a day that goes by that we don't hear about something that God did. Just amazing what he did. And, And we see here, these guys were awestruck by the size of their catch. This never happened before. This guy who was talking about this good news and forgiveness and eternal life and God taking care of you. Wow, he, he caused our boats to be, two of them to be absolutely full of fish. We almost lost their boats because they were so full. This is what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Just because good things are happening to you does not mean what you're doing is right. 
The Bible says the goodness of God brings us to repentance. I mean, when God blesses me, especially well, I go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I've not really done everything you told me to do, and, and I've probably done some things that I shouldn't have done, and I am so sorry. He says his goodness, it, it leads us to repentance. Just because God blesses us doesn't mean he condones everything that we do. Does that make sense? He blesses us just like he did with Peter. And Peter said, I'm a sinful person. And you can be well sure that Christ forgave him right away. Picking up there in Luke again, verse 10, it says his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were, all, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I'm going to teach you how to catch people who are in the, the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear son. Verse 11 says, And as soon as they landed, they went to the market and sold their fish, put the money in the bank. Is that what it says? As soon as they landed, what did they do? They left everything and they followed Jesus. You know, his dad, some other brothers, you know, people who were in the family business there, they took care of the fish. There was nothing wasted. But see, Simon Peter, he wanted the giver, not the gift. You ever, when, when your kids are really tiny, you know, and you have Christmas and you, they open up a Christmas present, they play with it for a little while and you say, hey, come here, let me see that. That's mine, leave it alone. They're really caught up with the gift, aren't they? They don't care about the giver no more. don't seem. Let's not be that way. These guys, the biggest catch that had ever been documented, and they just walked away from it. They wasn't so concerned about the gifts that Christ had brought. They wanted the giver. Because when you got the giver, you got it all. That's just the way it is. You know, disciples are humble men and women who accomplish awesome, fantastic, mighty deeds, great miracles, just followers of Christ. And that all, all those miracles happen by believing. Christ speaks, you hear, and faith comes. That's how miracles happen. That's how the impossible becomes possible by men and women who have faith. And when Christ speaks, and you can, you can pick it up and you can read a part of the, the Bible, you can read it every 15 minutes the other day if you wanted to. I'm going to tell you, your, your faith is going to increase substantially. But you can go a month and not even read it one time. Your faith is not going to be quite as strong. It's going to kind of be depleted, if anything. You know. Listen to what it says here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation. The forgiveness and all. That comes from trusting. That's talking about faith. Trusting in Christ Jesus. And all the scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true. And I want to know the truth. Don't you want to know the truth? I don't want to believe a lie. Do you? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what, what is wrong in our lives. Some people go to a doctor. Well, tell me what's wrong, because you want to know the truth. 
And there's other things that are going a little bit awry. Lord, I want to know the truth. I want to I know how to be a good husband, a good father, a good wife, a, a, a good mommy. I want to be a good neighbor, a good worker. I want to know how to be successful. The truth's right here. He says, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives and it straightens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17 says, it is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Fully equipped. God's word fully equips us with courageous faith. You would never imagine a football player being out on a football field without being fully equipped with helmet and pads and all. And God's word fully equips us to do what God created us to do. And we can do what he created us to do. We can. Listen to what it says here. There's a question. There's a question that says in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, it says, when the Son of Man, this is talking about Jesus, when the Son of Man returns, and he will return one day, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Faith comes by hearing his word. Faith comes. He said, when he comes back one day, how many will he find on this earth who have faith? Will you be numbered among those men and women who have faith? Well, I had so many other things to do, I forgot about it. I really didn't hear God's word. I didn't really make time to hear it or read it or study it or pray it or, or, or anything. So if the faith I had was very, very little. That's the question he's asking. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? A woman walked into a store to return a pair of eyeglasses that she had purchased for her husband a week earlier. She purchased these to help him to see. Well, she's bringing these back. Well, what seems to be the problem, ma'am? She said, well, I'm returning these glasses that I bought for my husband. He still doesn't see things my way. And I think sometimes we don't see things God's way. He says his ways are higher than ours. In Isaiah, his thoughts are higher. But we can learn his ways, can't we? And I want to see things your way. And then faith comes, you see. Because his way always works. His way is full of living power. His way changes the game his way helps me to overcome all the things trying to stop me you see you can't always trust your eyes did you know that we can always trust your eyes you know our reason think about this for a moment is limited by the amount of information that's available to us people are forever asking me all kinds of questions and they don't like it when I start asking questions back. I say, for me to answer your question, I need more information. 
I'm asking this and this and this and this and this. I can make a decision now because I got all the information I needed to make a good decision on something. Does that make sense? I mean, you can ask me a question. It's like, I have to ask some questions back at you so I, I can see the whole picture, you see. Well, it's the same with our eyes. No one prior to the invention of the electron microscope could see things that existed at the atomic or subatomic level. Well, let me say it this way. There was a time many years ago, back in the mid-1800s, where doctors even, and the greatest scientists, didn't understand germs. And just because you couldn't see them didn't mean that they didn't exist. Does that make sense? The reason you couldn't see them is because they were so small. Once we developed a microscope, we could see them suckers. It's like, ah, don't touch that. There's germs there. And everybody's like, I don't see nothing. Look at my microscope. Whoo, they are. And there are people who have talked about the awesome, fantastic, wonderful things out there in the solar system, but they've never seen them until, what was that, uh, what was it, there was some kind of a Hubble telescope. And then people saw things that they had never seen before. And the only reason they couldn't see them, their sight was limited because of the distance. Our sight is limited to the microscopic things because they're so small. Our sight is limited, you know, to stuff way out there because it's such a long distance there. So our, our sight is limited. We understand that. Just because you can't see some planet out there don't mean it don't exist. It does exist. And with the proper equipment, you'd be able to see it. And, and, and back during the World War II, the, the technology was invented and, and utilized for you know, the military to see in the dark. Yeah, you can't see in the dark. Oh, yes, you can. No, you can't see in the dark. Oh, yes, you can. I've got a couple of pairs of night vision myself. And, you know, I've been outside and I've watched animals walking all over the place. If I hadn't had it, I've been walking out there with them. And all of a sudden, <laughs> grabs you. Well, there's nothing really out here. I'm just chewing on my arm or something, you know. Just because you can't see it don't mean it don't exist. And with a proper set of night vision technology, you can see in the pitch dark. And with the microscope, you can see what nobody else can see. You can see those, you know, teeny tiny germs and things. And with the telescope, you can see that which few people see. You can see all those beautiful things out in the solar system. So just because you can't see it don't mean it don't exist. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> Our eyes are limited. There's another limitation. They can't see often into the spiritual realm. And that brings us to the scripture I wanted to end with. This is the most important scripture that I'll give you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, 17 and 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We're tempted to lose heart, to lose courage, to get down, depressed, discouraged, right? We're tempted to. But therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man, talking about your body, even though our outward man is perishing. I don't know if you looked in the mirror recently. It's like, when did this stuff start turning white, you know? 
It's like, I can't quite keep up with the young guys anymore, you know? Go hiking on a trail or something. It's like, I mean, we've got to face the fact God gave us a body that would keep us here as long as he wanted us to be here. But he's got something new and improved in store for us. And it says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our faith is increasing. And we can tap into the supernatural. We don't have to be limited to the natural. We can tap into the supernatural when we are being renewed, the inward man. Our spiritual being is being renewed day by day. And it goes on to say in verse 17, for our light afflictions. Now, you got to understand, the guy who's writing this had been shipwrecked several times. A night and a day he was clinging to a piece of ship, floating around in the ocean. He had been in prison. He had been beaten with a cat of nine tails. So many times you couldn't count the stripes. He'd been beaten with rob, uh, rods. He'd been stoned and left for dead. All unbelievable amount of time he spent in prison for sharing the gospel. And he comes and says, for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment. But listen to what he's saying. He's not lying. He's telling the truth. And you and I have got to say, well, maybe he sees something that we don't see. Just because you can't see it don't mean it's not there. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us. This stuff is working for us, a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. And here's verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen. We don't look at the things that are seen. We don't look at things that are we don't look at the things that are seen. Is it possible to look at things that aren't seen? Is it possible to look at the unseen with a microscope, with a telescope, with night vision technology? It's, it's possible to see things that are, that are unseen. And he says here, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And it takes faith to see the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. What does that mean? They're subject to change. You can look at circumstances. You can look at something that's scary and frightening. And you're looking at this thing. And the longer you look at it, you have a tendency to, to magnify it. It gets even bigger. And you get fearful and frightened and anxious. And the Lord says, don't look at that. Fear not. Okay, fear not. All right. He says, yay. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley. The valley? A low spot. The valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear nothing that I can see. I'll fear no evil, lions and tigers and bears. No. I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, I don't see God with you. Just because you can't see him don't mean he's not there. You remember when Peter come walking, when Jesus came walking to Peter, and Peter and the disciples was in the boat, and they were crying out for fear. And he said, hey, y'all calm down. It's just only me. And Peter said, if it's really you, tell me to come out of the boat. I mean, I like that guy. He was a risk taker, wasn't he? He made lots of mistakes, but he was willing to do something for God. Tell me to come. And Jesus said, come on. 
And Peter said, right out of water. He's walking in the water, going to Jesus. And he, this is amazing. And the waves, is, I mean, kind of, you know, woo, like this and all. And he starts looking at the waves, the Bible says, and listening to the sound of the wind. And he got his eyes off of Jesus and poof, he sunk. Jesus came over, reached down, picked him back up. See, he started looking at the natural, the problems, the difficulties. Oh, they're very easy to see the problems, aren't they? But what we got to do is look into Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We got to keep our eyes on him. We got to hear what he's saying. And he says, fear not. And if I hear that, he says, fear not. Well, faith comes over here and helps me, strengthens me. Enables me to do the impossible. Enables me to overcome all kinds of obstacles. So let me read once again. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. They're subject to change. And if you're hearing Christ's words, faith is coming, all things are possible. Things are going to change and get better. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. People can't see God, but his promises and his privileges and his blessings are absolutely phenomenal. They, they really are. I mean, it, it, it's miraculous. And we can hear what he has to say to us. And you get glimpses of God and faith has come. And the impossible now becomes possible to the man or the woman who chooses to hear Christ speak. Other people are just going to look at the natural stuff. Well, it says the stock market is trashing and the businesses are getting really bad. And it says the weather's going and the world might come to an end tomorrow. And it says this and this. And you look at the news and you listen to that and, and you're, you're taking more meds and trying to deal with all the stress and the panic attacks and, and all this. When, why, why don't we look to Christ? Why don't we listen to what he, he says, fear not. Be of good cheer. He says he's going to take care of us. He's my shepherd. He's going to lead me through the green pasture. He's going to lead me by the still waters. He'll restore my soul. The Bible says that the angels of God encamp around about those who fear him and love him. Now, I don't know. Y'all see any angels here? Do you see any angels? Not that you know of. You're looking beside you. I don't remember you before. <laughs> the Bible says be careful that we entertain strangers because some of us have entertained angels and have been unaware of it. Angels don't show up on the scene with wings. They show up looking just like this. Seriously. Some angels are very bad dressers. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the truth. Just because you can't see an angel that's taking care of us, they're here. Christ said so in his word. They're here. And do you know, God is with us. Just because there's another dimension a fifth dimension or something that you can't see. It don't mean that he's not there just because you can't see him. Is that right? I'm going to challenge you. Please don't forget about this game changer that we call faith, but continue to increase your faith. And may our faith be stronger and stronger every week when we get together and we begin to pray for things to happen. 
and God is leading us and guiding us, always consult him. Hear what his word says. The devil will trick you to keep you out of fellowship, to keep you out of this book. He will trick you to get you to do anything in the world, but don't hear Christ. Because when Christ speaks, faith comes. And faith can move mountains. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for all the provisions that you have made for us. Almighty God, increase our faith. Cause us to hunger and thirst for your word more than ever before. Cause us to begin to see and believe that the impossible is now possible. As our heads are bowed right now, I'd ask you to join with me to renew our faith in Christ. And maybe you don't know him at all, but would you join us and let Christ move into your life right now as your Savior, as your Lord, as your King. Would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that your plans for me are to give me hope in a future. I believe that Jesus died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead. And that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door right now. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I want to become a person of great faith. Help me to recognize when the devil tries to steal and keep me from hearing your word. Increase my faith that I will fulfill what you created me to do. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Savior, my Lord my king. In Jesus name. Amen. And on your uh, weekly challenge if you choose to agree with me you'll just check it off and drop it in the tithe box. It just simply says I choose this week to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not going to be controlled by everything I see. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and what he has to say about what he's talking about. So just check it off. If you prayed with me just now and you welcome Christ in your life, please stop at our connections desk in the back there. Pick up a gift bag. It's got a Bible and some other goodies that will inspire your faith. And uh, if you're here as a guest, uh, they've got a gift for you back there. Just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming and being here, and we hope you come back again next week. And if you have a need, uh, there'll be some folks around the altar here who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you, God answers prayer. God answers your own prayer. But sometimes it's nice to get someone to get in agreement with you. Would you greet one another on the way out? High five each other. God bless you. You are dismissed.